Hey, good afternoon. Um, it's been a bit of a hot minute since I've last recorded a podcast, and I've had a few different people actually telling me that I needed to record one again. So I always say, if you want me to do a podcast, um, you've kind of got to tell me what to talk about. And Eagle underscore three four five zero was kind enough to actually send me a pretty long list of um, stuff to talk about. And like some of it is just, um, you know, future plans for Moscow, future plans for my own player, um, the most impressive stats of the hybrid era, best TP uh, to points ratio. I, I, I guess just like the, the best just build advice and stuff like that, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame but isn't, who's in the Hall of Fame that I think shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, my thoughts on the VHLE money system, favorite VHL member, ideas for recruitment. So there's actually quite a lot of stuff in there. I'm probably just going to randomly pick and choose um, some of it. I should probably get like a notepad or something so that I can put like pseudo timestamps or something as to when I start covering stuff. So we can jump right into this. I'm not sure. Okay, this is going to be 30 minutes max, which I doubt I actually hit the full 30 minutes, but that's essentially the maximum time I can record directly in the desktop here. So if we're going to stat or start I don't mind looking at the stats here, the best TP to points ratio for a build. So let's put that down to that two minutes. We start talking about stats ratio. So let's pull up the actual ratios and all of that right now. So I think if we go into help, it's here. So I'm sure everyone knows the whole story about how these ratios were formed. I've talked about them on previous podcasts. Essentially, we had a large issue with our attributes um, being strictly on a scale of like 40 to 99. There was an update scale and there were always known issues with them that if you just min-maxed certain attributes, then you would have a very strong build in SDHS, like to the point where the engine simply like it was, it, it was nearly unstoppable. Um, and when a full team does it, it is pretty, pretty broken. Um, and the SHL for some history switched off of STHS completely because they realized that it was such a big issue and they didn't want to put in some kind of hybrid situation. They knew that FHM was another, sim engine and they chose to just go that route and completely switch engines while we did some testing in the board of governors and decided to come up with what we know now as hybrid attributes for skaters only so if we're looking at ratios here or the general attributes to avoid having that 4099 gap we created some kind of tie between the the two broken ones which were passing and scoring so i don't think you can ever um have a gap between them like your scoring rating and your passing rating to be higher than it's either 15 or 19 it's it's one of those two um so if you look at it offensive vision which gives you 
the most value for your scoring has an identical ratio for passing. So it's a straight one to one. And where you get a lot of that difference is in slap shot, wrist shot, when you're looking at the point one two, which is less than half than what offensive vision gives you. So it's definitely possible to have a strong um, shoot first oriented build, but you definitely need to be mindful that it's going to take a lot of TP. And I think a lot of people realize that over time that there is so much TP that you have to put into a build to proportionally make it so much better than um, like your peers or to really get that kind of high scoring attribute. It takes at least 800, 900 TP to have a very strong, like top of the league sort of build um and that's at the very minimum i think when you really start to see strong bills is over the the 1.1 thousand threshold but when people are earning up to 1800 1900 2000 plus tpe it's it's definitely very doable so personally in terms of one of my most favorite ratios i'd probably have to put it as deking because I think that the puck handling and defense combination is really strong. I think you already get defense up a lot with defensive coverage. That's the pretty popular one where it's defense 0.18, skating 0.18. But defense and deking is only 0.06 lower. And you get a lot stronger puck handling at 0.24. And then with speed, which has its own... 0.3 ratio you can just put like 40 tp into speed when you're like under 500 uh tp and you'll have a pretty balanced um skating and puck handling build and you'll be able to get your defense really high um just off of those three so it's a pretty nice there's like little minutia in there which i know i'm starting off this podcast very nerdy um so if you turn on this podcast to go to sleep or something like I turn on podcasts to fall asleep because they're like, if they're boring, then this is the content for you. But otherwise I'll probably have timestamps in here so that people can skip to more interesting parts. But yeah, my favorite is deking. And then my second one is actually poke checking because I think the value for defense is fantastic over there. And with how cheap you can get skating in the speed attribute, I think poke checking is really underrated and it really helps you avoid getting um, successful hits on you that you're like less likely to be hit and like lose the puck and all of that. So I think that's also a really strong one. And then slap shot as well gives you scoring and strength. So those are also pretty strong. So um, that's just a little personal interest that I had there. So I decided I'd just cover that first right off the bat. So, Another interesting one is my views on the VHLE. So let's look at the timestamp here. So we're going at 7.30. So the VHLE, obviously, very controversial. Um, and I can say that I'm finally playing in the E now. So I don't have much of a thought right now. I know that last season we had some overcrowded rosters because of a very strong draft class. And this season, we're not seeing it as much. 
I think there's definitely some teams that are lacking, like even my own team, Stockholm here, only has three defensemen. Um, and we may have had more if we didn't have some call-ups and then could have shifted like an inactive to defense, but we're running a pretty bare-boned operation, like six forwards, three defensemen, a goalie, and the defensemen aren't fantastic either. But the locker room's definitely pretty quiet. I think it's pretty much just me and Doomsday chatting in there. I think in terms of who's even on the team... Uh, let me go and look because I don't even really there's like there's actually some fairly known people there's Frostbeard and Reno in there but um, the rest of the folks I don't think any of them are discord active or anything and it, and it's definitely tough because I think um, Grape, Rookie and Dospu all could have been on the team this year as well and Grape and Dospu were both defensemen as well but they both elected to go up to the VHL. I think Grape would have had to go up anyways, but Rookie and Dasboot, both of them could have stayed. They're both still under 400 TPE. So it's definitely tough, you know, when you lose some of those good players. And I know Stockholm wasn't in the best situation when Twists um, just had to step away and they put in Dooms as the interim. So I think it's still to see how the egos. I think I was fully expecting a quieter locker room, but I also recognize that the E for me is not a league that I'm ever going to be very excited by, but it's nice that I just have an extra season to develop as a goalie. And I also get to test out my build against slightly better competition than just 200 TP. Like Builds don't really shape up at all. Like in the, um, you could put all your TP into like overall or something, or not not overall offensive vision. I always read it as overall because it's OV um, offensive vision, and you would have a good build. Or you could put nothing into passing or scoring, and you could have a good build that like performs. I think um, Nurks's player Pope Francis had like that kind of season where he had no passing, no scoring, and then he randomly had a really good player. So, yeah, I mean, anything can work in the M, but in the E, you start to see some separation, and that's where I get to test my own build out a little bit, and I really get to put it up to par against some other really strong draftees from this season and last season. And it's just better competition, and I think that in and of itself is interesting. I myself am not much of a... locker room enthusiast anymore because i really just spend my time in moscow and then maybe sometimes like the vhl server itself but i just don't really have the time to be sitting around in like a bunch of different locker rooms and chatting with a lot of lot of people like it's and like even if i did have the time it's not something that i would want to do so it's nice to just pop in drop a quick message like a quick few messages especially if someone else is around have a quick chat and then hop out and then come back the next day so personally i always recognize that that's what my level of interest was going to be in the e but i realized how that's problematic for first gens who they've suddenly gone from the m now they're going to the e and it's very quiet there so 
that's like something like when you when you look at and you think about you realize well that's not that's not optimal um because you do want there to be activity you do want some of the first ones on this team to be interested to be engaged because you want their earning to keep going up in reality you want people to be motivated to keep earning and become really good by the end of playoffs and if you become really good by the end of playoffs like if you're over 350 375 tpe you are probably going to get called up next season and that's the kind of development that we want but i just don't think we have yet in the e so that's something to kind of keep an eye on um whether that can change in the future or if that's just something that that's just how the e is gonna be so don't really know yet but like i still don't think that abolishing the e is quite right there's like maybe a fringe like a very very fringe case to say that you could just somehow absorb it all back into the vhlm but even that's pretty pretty sketch pretty questionable um don't really know how much i would agree with that but i definitely don't think we can expand the vhl because the draft classes aren't deep enough and we're gonna have some pretty um, lopsided teams in there especially if we're forcing people to like straight up make another two vhl teams already we have some pretty bad teams in the in, in the vhl i don't think 18 is gonna help at all so i suppose we shall see so moving on to the next topic i'll put the timestamp here at 14 minutes let's talk about um future plans for moscow so plans for moscow i think it's pretty obvious what we're trying to go for here we've had a lot of first round picks in the last few seasons um let's open moscow's page here so if you're just looking at our roster i mean we're in season 91 and our oldest players are our goalie sam tombstone season 83 who's retiring fraser wallace season 84 inactive the mediocre one season 85 inactive both of them on defense and then the next oldest player is a season 86 player left alone who's just entering depreciation now um and then like everyone else is season 88 or younger and then in terms of prospects we even have um three folks at 400 tpa i think okay so dex is probably is going to be coming up next season but uh we'll we'll see if we have room for him or not it it, it might be a little bit of a tough decision but left alone we we got for a first and a second rounder which we basically recouped by trading like blazer last season for a first and second as well rutu and gunner both of them were first round picks david rashford um actually was he a first round pick or a second rounder okay he was a second round pick in 89 but we signed him as a as a free agent jeff lewis he's an 89 first rounder um nils anderson inactive now but already close to 600 tp as a season 88 and i think we can position swap him to defense if needed um because i because i don't think we're going to keep either fraser wallace or the mediocre one next season and 
Anderson will be depreciation proof for a couple more seasons and already higher TPA than what both Wallace and mediocre one will be next season. And then on defense, we just got Eric Queefson. We got Twiss. Um, he's going to be a casual earner as a season 89. So you can always take some nice depth, some active depth. And then uh, Grapes player Obuz Schneider Kanedu Bukaj, which I don't know why we always, always draft people with long names, but he exists too. So he probably pencils in to be one of our stronger um, defensemen. And then prospect wise, we also have Zetterberg and Nose players. Um, Zetterberg on defense, no on um, offense as a winger. So, you know, we, we have a lot of the pieces. A lot of it now is just going to be, can we develop the team well enough that within a season or two, we're competitive again? And there's going to be a little sweet spot in there where we're going to have some players still on their ELCs and we really need to maximize that window before everyone's off their ELCs. So a lot of pressure is going to be on some of these 89s and 90s especially to um, get a lot of TPE and, and start to work their way into like the upper echelon of VHL players before... Like and, and that's like a one season window before when Zetterberg's player, Nose player, my own goalie are gonna get off our ELCs. So there's a very slim window in there, which I think we will have a very, very competitive team. So that's in two seasons, but I think personally entering next season I'll probably be around like five fifty TP or something like that, maybe pushing uh six hundred. So you know, it's it, it, it could be a serviceable goalie. We'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see, but not expecting the world next season, but definitely in two seasons, that's kind of where I'm looking at stuff. And we still have draft picks. We have two firsts next season, three seconds, and then a first and second in season 93. So we we still have a lot of our own draft capital to make stuff work. So at this point, really, it's just kind of let people develop. Maybe we'll have to make some moves to be friendlier with a cap. Um, maybe if people have like a veteran that they want to sell and they're they're looking for a younger player, we're definitely receptive to to those kinds of deals as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's still very flexible when, when you have this much talent and this many young pieces on a team and future assets. You can really be pretty patient. You can be aggressive. You have a lot of different directions you can choose to be in. A lot of it is really just identifying the market and kind of just going off of what's available or how everything else goes. It's really the best thing to do. Like, I think when we started this rebuild, it was a very favorable market. There were a lot of buyers, and that's not very common. I think, I, like, I don't think there's a lot of people that immediately go out and buy players every off season, or if they do, it's 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 quite quiet actually. I think instead of like public messages and like the GM chat or something, there's a lot of um, direct GM to GM communications, um, personal interactions that kind of determine how moves are made and 
and uh, the strategies of all these different teams. So that's that's one of the interesting things about GMing um, in like in the VHL here that there's very variable circumstances, and you just kind of have to play the cards that are that are dealt to you. So there's a little insight on GMs as well. So we're at about 20 minutes here. So let's uh, do one more. Any ideas I have about recruitment? Because I know that's a little bit of a touchy subject. So let's put that timestamp as like, like 2035 for recruitment thoughts. So there was a bit of a push um, to sort of centrally organize recruitment because I'm not sure if people know, but recruitment was just kind of like a crowdsourced effort. There were recruitment members. I think it was like um, Thad, Subject, Nobody, Mubbles, maybe Moon Racer were part of that contingent as well. I think like VLG, like there, there, there was like a, like there's been a group of folks over the past few seasons but there was no one person that was the head. There is no, like there's a head moderator in Fong. There is a, like I, like I, I guess maybe a head commissioner in Beketov. I, like I don't really want to say that because at the end of the day, they do decide between the three of them, but it always feels like Beketov is the head just because of how tenured he is. And then even in like updaters, I think like there's usually a head of PT, even though Dollar has stepped down in, in recent months. So there's generally someone that steps up and is ahead. Recruitment didn't have that. And it really kind of turned into the people who are doing something for recruitment are just kind of doing their own thing. And a lot of it just ended up being social media. So... I, I pushed a little bit ago and I convinced Moon to rejoin recruitment because he had experience. And when he was on recruitment, they were doing YouTube ads. They were reaching out to Reddit. There were like, there was stuff going on. So we got Moon back into recruitment and we made him the head of recruitment as well. Then he went on, I, I think about like a month long vacation or something, which we knew was going to happen, but at least he was able to get some hiring done. They're still focusing on social media at the moment. I think a lot of people know that they're looking at Twitter, threads, Instagram, I think, or like the three big ones. And personally, I don't agree with that at all. I think maybe you can have a little bit of social media presence, but we're not a marketing, like, like they're not a marketing team. They're a recruitment team. And I'm, glad that they're trying to build up the VHL's brand on social media but that's not really how we're bringing in people and I know YouTube can be expensive ads cost money especially when you're putting them on people's channels to have them do an ad read or something but we have the funds like like it's not really a secret or anything like the VHL like we get a lot of donations um, and yeah some of it helps keep servers up and running the websites running the, the the portal running and then like obviously like at the end of the year for prizes for christmas and holiday 
stuff and all of that. But there's still a lot of funds to be used for miscellaneous purposes, which usually end up being recruitment. And we just haven't been coordinating any of that. And I think that's what really needs to happen here. So I'll probably try and have another conversation with some of the recruitment folks again, just to be like, hey, glad you guys are doing social media, but you guys really need to start looking at avenues where you bring in people. And even if the YouTube success rate is low, it's okay. Because even if you bring in maybe 100 people or even 50 people or whatever, um, you know, even if you just keep six around or seven around or eight around, that's still seven or eight more people than we had last season or two seasons ago. And that's probably more people that like we're bringing in. And then people keep seeing these videos. Like it's not just like a random Twitter post that doesn't get boosted by the algorithm. Like you're putting them in places where people are interested. And with NHL 24 pretty fresh, there's a lot of people watching this kind of content. And I know people might come back to me or might be thinking, well, if you know all of this, why don't you just do it yourself? And first I'll say, and it's if people don't realize by now, it's I feel like it's pretty obvious. I, I, I really don't like reaching out to people. I'm not a very social person. I, I don't like taking the energy to really reach out and start conversations, um, which is, you know, it's, it's not great, but it's just, it's, it's how I am. My, my friends generally know it too. They're usually the ones to reach out to me. Sometimes I'll reach out if it's just, you know, close friends and all of that. But I really don't like having extended conversations and reaching out. It's part of why I never really do like the one-on-ones or, or stuff like that that often scouting gets left to the last minute. It's, it's just uh, not really a fear. Maybe it's partially laziness and partially just... I don't like talking to people if I don't have to, but yeah, so that's just why. And also like, I, I have too many jobs. I'm not, I'm not doing recruitment as well. I, I already could probably drop updating and maybe some other stuff as well. And I mean, Hey, there was a movement in gen chat yesterday or so to just fire me from all my jobs. So um, I think it would be interesting if that actually happened and then maybe, uh, we'd see how slow some things go in the VHL. I'm not saying the VHL would die or anything, but I will say that there's a fair amount of off-season stuff that I do because I have the time to do it and I don't mind doing it, taking off, like, like taking some tasks off the Blues plate because um, I know they like enjoying their lives. Some of them have young kids now um, and I have the availability sometimes. So I like doing some of that stuff like awards input, um, draft stuff, and and, uh, and a lot of that, that, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so maybe I could cut some jobs and then go to recruitment, but if I cut jobs, I would just do less around the VHL and I would just put my effort in other places. So uh, yeah, that's about it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.